This week, we'll talk about switching careers from physics to doing machine learning. And we have a special guest today, uh, Tatiana. Tatiana is a computer vision deep learning engineer. She is also a Kaggle competition monster, and she currently works as a senior machine learning engineer at Cork University Hospital. Um, welcome, Tatiana. Hello, nice having me. Yes. Um, so before we go into our main topic um, of switching careers from physics, Let's start with your background. Can you tell us a bit about your career journey so far? Yes, so basically uh, I started my career with PhD in physics and then I worked in science in different uh, institutes, universities and developing different optical systems and lasers in particular. Uh, and then I started to have children. So I had two maternity leaves in a row and uh, decided that during maternity leaves, it's nice to stay active and obviously nanophotonic is not uh, an option because uh, you need a lab for that. So uh, a lot of my friends got very interested in machine learning and they started talking about that. So I also decided to check uh, courses on artificial intelligence and machine learning and I actually like that. So uh, I started with courses and uh, building them one by one and eventually on maternity leave, I realized that, yeah, that's what I want to do. And, uh, uh, it resulted in the new profession, so in the career change at the end. And uh, I also got some small internship that brought me to that uh, job in the hospital because uh, uh, I developed necessary links. And in that internship, I was also doing some machine learning project for uh, analyzing signals for medical needs. And then in the hospital, uh, they had quite a similar project. So my name eventually came up and that's uh, how I got in a position that I'm actually developing now the uh, system decision tool that uh, decision support tool that help doctors to um, identify anomalies during the labor process and act promptly uh, when uh, C-section is necessary to prevent uh, some bad uh, severe outcome during labor for the fetus. Okay, that's, uh, I think we'll cover in some uh, more details uh, because you mentioned quite a few interesting things in your, uh, in your story. Uh, I think we will cover some of them, uh, like how you approached your learning a bit later. But um, I was uh, like a few months ago, I think it was one, one month ago, I was checking my Twitter and I saw your thread on Twitter. And after reading this thread, I decided to contact you uh, and it got my attention. Uh, it was really interesting. So the thread was about 12 career hacks. Um, so can you tell us a, 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 about this thread? So what are these uh, career hacks? Yeah, so basically on the Twitter, I was uh, talking about career change because it's very popular topic. Uh, you know, everybody actually changes career uh, at least a couple of times in their lifetime. But the first time is always tricky, so people always worry, like, oh, career change, and they always ask you questions on how to do it and how to approach that challenge. And I was uh, filling the Twitter uh, with useful hacks that I learned during my career change. Uh, I learned it hard way, so I decided maybe I better share my experience so people can uh, hopefully uh, speed up the process a bit uh, using my advices if they find it useful. So uh, the first career hack and one of the most important ones is uh, to change your social circle, to be careful about your social circle. So basically, if you have, uh, you know, great, great friends from childhood and parents, obviously you don't change them, but you have a lot of colleagues and you have a lot of shallow uh, acquaintance, not really deep friends in your network and if they're not helping you in, in your career change if they keep telling you that you're gonna fail it's a bad idea you have a good job or you're changing your career changing career on maternity leave uh, that does not work nobody does it you know in this case this uh, circle doesn't really help you and uh, it's important to cut off such social interactions and then you will have a space for new people to come into your life because you will have more free time then and uh, then it can be people that are more supportive and uh, that already changed career and that can help you and guide you through that. So that's essentially what I did. I cut off about like 70% of my communications with ex-colleagues and all those 
pessimistic people who were telling me that I will fail and changing career is a bad idea. And when I stopped communicating with them, uh, I started to look for options. And uh, that's how I found the ODS community. And uh, I entered the community. And that's where I found my new network uh, in a career. And not only career, now I also have friends there. And uh, that was very supportive because there is a saying that uh, your average of like uh, three to nine people your friend with. So it's important to be careful in choosing your friends and in choosing your circles. So, and that's what Data Talk Club community is also about. So if you, that you're developing now. So it's, it's, it's a, to create that kind of circles and that kind of social interactions that helps you grow. The second important, uh, also important hack is to forget about your fears and stereotypes because a lot of people are quite afraid of change. And then they, they have a lot of stereotypes. Changing career at 35, oh, you're too old. Changing career on maternity leave, that's not gonna work and so on and so on. Those are not real. Those are just your fantasies and they have nothing to do with reality. So some people contact me and ask me questions like, I am 26, am I too old to change career? And I'm like, seriously, you're 26, you're not too old, and you're not too old in 36, 46, 56, and you know you're going to change your career because at 60, there is no chance you're going to do the same stuff that you're doing today. And that means that between today and between your, your 60s, there will be a career change. Anyway, so just get used to that thought. So uh, career, <laughs> career number three is... Uh, uh, forget about distractions that don't bring value in your life. In my case, I realized that such distractions were Instagram, Facebook, watching movies, even Twitter and LinkedIn and those nets are important for PR. But when you're changing career, you have nothing to PR yet. You did not make that paper or pet project or anything else. You're just learning, right? So just shut down all the social networks. You will see how much time you have. You, because you need to create a time when you're on maternity leave, you don't have time. You only work when you have a chance. And if you're gonna spend time on Instagram and Facebook, you just, it's just not practical. So you need to cut off all those distractions. And some useful things like LinkedIn, you're gonna use them later when you're ready, but don't open that when you are changing your career and you are learning because you open it for a minute and then you absorb for 15 minutes. That's what usually happens. I think there are, there are some uh, apps that help you do this. Like you can uh, have an extension for Chrome that blocks your Facebook, that blocks uh, your Instagram, or I think you can also install something on your phone. I don't know, did you use something like this? Or? No, well, I have a good, you know. Will? Uh, Internal will, but <laughs> I, decided like you. I don't know. But you know, if, if whatever helps, if you need external thing to block you from that, that's what I need that. usually. Whatever, you know, just you know, when I was stopping smoking, I also I got off smoking, and that's it. I used to smoke quite a lot, like a pack of cigarettes. A bit. But I just cut it uh, as soon as I got pregnant, and that's it. And same for here, I just cut it and didn't open. And now I open it again, but that's because. Of, I need that now for career options and to find network and so on. So, but not all of that, Instagram, that's it like. So the next important hack is uh, when you are changing career, you have this imposter syndrome. Suddenly everybody is so smart, they know everything and you just don't know nothing. You keep learning and learning and learning, but you still have this imposter syndrome. So because it's hard to uh, validate yourself, so the important hack is do not overestimate others and do not underestimate yourself. But how you're gonna estimate your skills correctly if you uh, change in career? Well, you need external validation, right? So for the external validation, I started to go on interviews and because that interviews show you which skills you lack, which skills uh, you are good at, and it helps you to put your place as a specialist with this skill set on the market. So go to the interviews, even if you are not ready to start the job. My mistake was that I was on maternity leave. So I was waiting when Alisa grows up a bit so I can start working. And that's I started, when I started to go for interviews. That was wrong. I could have done 
it early just for external validation to see which skills I need to a bit, uh, you know, increase and which skills are actually okay and to get rid of that imposter syndrome. But the best thing to fight imposter syndrome is not actually to go on interviews yourself, but uh, to conduct interview, to be on the other side of the table. And the good thing to do that is mock interviews. And mock interviews, it's not a real interview. Uh, there are platforms for that, like Prompt, for example. When you interview others who are trying to go to the big tech companies and so on. So when you're on the other side, you're an interviewer, you're going to see now immediately all the weak places, all the weak spots for yourself. And that helps you a lot because in, in an interview process, then you can adjust your own behavior that fits uh, better and uh, helps you to pass the interview. How, how does it help? Like when you interview others, how does it help to find weak spots in yourself? Well, basically when you interview others and uh, the other person keeps on and on and on telling about his experience, you realize, oh my gosh, I'm doing exactly that. I need to okay. shut up. And <laughs> I'm talking too much. As for me, yeah, so when I saw it in others, I'm like, yeah, th that's not good. That's not good. I need to write that story concise in two sentences, mm -hmm. maximum three, and practice it. Because if I am going like this guy, you know, that's not good. And things like that. Or for instance, you uh, ask a person to code and the person immediately starts coding without thinking how to solve the problem. And you're like, yeah, I'm doing exactly that. I should not do that. First, you need to think and then to write a code. It's much better. So, but you, it's hard to spot it in yourself. It's easier when you, when you uh, do mock interviews to others, actually. But we'll come back to that when we discuss okay. interview preparation. But yeah, yes, that, yes. yeah, that really helps me because it also was a change in psychology. So I was working in science and academics have a bit different mindset, to be honest. And when you come to industry, the mindset is a bit changed. Uh, and to see that, to spot that, it's important to actually have those mock interviews from people with industry. So they're more like, uh, not, more, not that much about your potential and uh, uh, how smart you are. Uh, it's more to the point of uh, which projects you have done that are similar to, to the project that they need to do. So, and uh, it's a bit different tailoring of the interview. So that helps. It also helps when you see others struggle, uh, you realize that your imposter syndrome will actually disappear when you start to interview others because uh, all your impressions that everybody is ingenious, but not you will disappear. You see, aha, he's also have problems with that. It's okay that I have that. Mm -hmm. so, yes. <laughs> the next hack is uh, number five is uh, attention genius, I call it. So basically in life, you don't notice everything you're not capable of noticing everything. You notice only those that you pay attention to. And the thing is that you can choose what to pay attention to. So you can focus on positive things, you can focus on negative things. You did not solve that problem today, you can focus on that, or you solved that problem, you can focus on that. Some people will tell you, you will not succeed, you will fail, you're gonna have haters. It's important to cut off attention from that people and that event. So whatever gonna, you know, put you down, just cut off attention from that. You got a hater, great. Don't pay attention to him. Pay attention to those who help you and uh, to your mentor and to, you know, more important things that bring value to your life. In general, it's a good advice, you know. So choose where to put a focus of your attention. The next one is uh, make a team. So it's uh, harder to progress just by yourself or to learn by yourself. Uh, it's much more beneficial and faster to learn and to grow when you have a team of like-minded people. And apparently you can create a team for nearly everything. You can create a team to play Kaggle, you can create a team to write a paper, to do the pet project, even to do the course, some course, you can make it in a team together. So recently I had a course from Venture Capitals in the team of five. And that was fun because we could discuss things together. And it's more fun to learn that way. But what is most important, other people have different kind of expertise, and you absorb that expertise from them. So when you're cuggling with great guys who, who know a lot about other stuff, you actually learn from them much faster. So 
And uh, uh, it's not waiting for the team to come. It's really make a team. So you want to make a team. You're going to find the people, convince them to play with you on Kaggle or to do pet projects or to do that paper. You need to find win-win strategies. So you need to find people who will also benefit from that, who want the same course or who need that paper as well. And then uh, when you are doing that together, you learn from them and you help them. And it's like win-win strategy. And that's ideal because it actually saves your time as well. Uh, because it still gives you a result, like you have a paper or you, you, you have Kaggle Master, but in a, in a shorter time mm-hmm. that you spent, uh, which is also critical on maternity leave. Mm-hmm. How do you find these people? Like, how do you go about convincing them? It's well, not as easy uh, as it sounds, right? <laughs> yeah, well, sometimes people find me actually quite a lot of times. They contact me. and uh, uh, Now, because now people know you, but uh, let's say some time ago, like Some time how? ago, when I just started, I was finding people on Kaggle chat and writing them. Like one guy was from Australia, and uh, uh, he seemed nice in chat, and he was novice in Kaggle. And I, I could see that he programs better than me. That's what I needed. But uh, he doesn't have a clue how to solve the problem. And I had a clue because I've read the papers. So I just wrote, wrote to him that I have this background, like PhD in physics, and the Kaggle was about astronomy. So maybe we can benefit from uh, teaming with each other. And he replied, yes. So he was in Australia. I was in Ireland. And then uh, we started to do that together. And we got to the top. And then I invited one guy from Moscow. Uh, who is a software engineer with great experience and he was cuggling for a while. And that's how we got like first silver, almost gold, mm-hmm. but you know, it was good for the first try. Okay. So anyway. the, basically the recipe is, uh, the, the hack here is just to reach out to people. Reach out to people, exactly. The same with papers. I wanted to write a paper, but I didn't have material. So I reached out to a guy from ODS who actually won a competition and I asked him, can I please use your quote and... Uh, you know, write a paper based based on that, but I rewrite it. And he, he gave me access to everything, to his server even for calculations. And so, and helped me with advices as well. So, uh, and then uh, I, I was looking for uh, somebody else to join, to help me with writing because I was short on time. So again, I just wrote like a notice, like, hey, I'm looking for co-author who will help me to craft a paper. And that's how uh, Alexander Kalinin wrote me. And he's great uh, in writing papers, really. And mm-hmm. he helped me to craft that and to finish that things. And I got to accepted to CVPR workshops. So that's mm-hmm. how you make it. Yeah, and uh, you find win-win strategies. So you find people who also need to. So reach out to people, have something to offer, like have a clear offer in the I don't know, first message. And then... Uh, like if I, let's say, if let's imagine a situation when I won a Kaggle competition, that never happened, but uh, I like imagining this sometimes. If somebody wrote me saying, hey, awesome solution, can I write a paper about this? It's very difficult to say no, right? Yeah, I also said yeah, this so. way and it worked out. <laughs> yeah. And also, if, if you're looking, just if you don't know whom to contact, like in Kaggle, you, you see the person, so you can write the person, or in ODS, uh, in Data Talks Club. But you can actually write an open message, like a LinkedIn. Hello, I am working on that paper. I am looking for co-authors who um, I, I need a help with this, this, and that, like do calculations. I, 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 I have all the code set up. I just need to, you know, somebody running experiments for me, looking for a student who can volunteer for that and have a paper. I can assure you within 24 hours, you're going to have a lot of students from all places in the world who will be, uh, you know, happy to help you with doing their tasks for the co-authorship, you know, for example. Yeah, thanks. So we are done with six hacks, right? There are six more. Oh, yeah. Uh, We need to hurry up. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) No, I think we have enough time. So, yeah, uh, less hackers... um, Less is more, forget about perfectionism. So there is a Pareto rule that says that around 20% of offer gives you 80% of the result. And that's actually true. So focus, you know, all your efforts where you're gonna gain that result. So if, but there are those, you know, minor things that you need to finish, but they can take you enormous amount of time. Maybe you're not good at that. Maybe you don't know anything about that. Well, outsource it, delegate it. Find that win-win strategy, get a team. The best is to focus your energy on those 20% that bring 80% of results in your case. 
And for instance, if you are not a front-end developer, and at the end, you need to do something on front-end, find a front-ender. Find that win-win strategy or outsource it or pay for that, delegate it, whatever. Uh, and forget about being perfect because nobody is perfect. And that perfectionism, it takes a lot of extra time and you simply don't have it. If you're changing career in maternity leave, you have no time. So you have to be careful on how you spend it. The next one oh, is- Sorry, I just have a, like maybe it's actually important. Like how do you find this 20%? Like how do you even know that this 20% is important and the, this 80% is not important? Like how do you- well, to kind of how... see some things can, you, can take you enormously long. For instance, if, if you're just not good at that or don't know how to, how to make it completely, they can take you enormously long. And if this is not something that's gonna contribute to your future career, if, not, if this is not that skill set that you actually require, then the wise thing is instead of spending then a lot of time of learning all that new framework or whatever that you are not going to use anyway, uh, it, it just to outsource. But of course, there are cases when you want to learn these new skills, and then mm -hmm. it's a different story. So, okay, you know, and I guess instance, you're not learning front end or you don't mm -hmm. need Java, yes. So, spending a lot of time of, uh, you know, kind of learning all that and doing front end as well when you're not going to do it at work anyway. So you're going to forget yeah. about it. So yeah, and then know, one thing maybe, like when you don't know if it's something you need or not, uh, because I, I imagine if you're switching career, if you're just learning machine learning or doing something like that, you don't know if you need to to, to learn this topic, right? Like, let's say, do you need to, to learn neural networks for this uh, project and i guess in this case you can just ask somebody who is more experienced right yeah you need mentors so that's that's another hack that you're gonna that's another hack okay <laughs> <laughs> so the next hack is number eight it's initial creation so when artist creates a painting what happens the first creation always happens in the head the artist visualizes the painting he can actually create it already in his mind and then he paints what he created the same initial creation applies to everything. When you, uh, for instance, want to do some code for Kaggle competition or to do some code for your pet project or your paper or whatever, the, when you have some free time, so you're working with a kid and so on, but you cannot work. So you basically, your mind is free, but uh, you are not working in the computer. You can save whole lots of time if you are thinking about what you're going to write or what you're going to code before. So for instance, you are cooking dinner and you are thinking how exactly you will approach the architecture for that machine learning solution or uh, what you're going to write in that paper or what you're going to write in that proposal and so on. So basically you create it in your head anyway. Uh, and during the day when you are busy with other stuff, you have a lot of time when you can create it in your head. You just cannot get your hands on the computer. And then in the evening, when you finally have a few hours to put your hands on the computer, you've already created it all in your head. So this is going to speed up you a lot because you just need to do it. But you already know what to do. Do you capture this idea somehow or is the, they stay in your head? Because for me, like if I don't write it down, then they're gone like the next minute. No, I remember when I think think through something, I remember that. Uh -huh, yeah. Maybe just a question of habit, you know, that's how I used to write uh, on literature, our, you know, uh, little essays about literature that we had to write in schools. I would actually think and then go and write. So, maybe that's okay. just a habit. so it's useful um, to somehow train your memory to to remember this. But I guess it's uh, like even if you're busy with your daily stuff, it doesn't hurt to have like an, a piece of paper and a pen. Well, you can you write can quickly... it down. You, you can actually have dictaphones. So sometimes I, I just, uh, you know, turn, turn on microphone and I record things ah, that just right. come to my mind and they're useful. So just that I don't want to forget. So, mm -hmm. but anyway, usually then remember. Uh, the other important thing that uh, this... Uh, Initial creation includes also visualization of your goals and of yourself. So you want to uh, career, uh, change in career is also the project a bit of creating yourself. You, you create a new self in a way, uh, at least professionally. And so visualize that end result. That visualize yourself in a new job, in a new role, confident, knowing what you are doing. Visualize your goals. 
it helps a lot because uh, you kind of trick your mind in, in, in the state that it's already kind of achieved. Uh, there is a lot of uh, uh, practice about this is called South Kampa. You know, when you go- How, how it's that, called? You, uh, Kampa, and it's it's a, a bit from Buddhism and meditation techniques. When you visualize your goal, the idea is that you visualize your goal in presence, like if this already happened. So get your desire, your your wish, whatever you want, and visualize it, and repeat it three times in present sense, like this has happened, uh, uh, and then go away and do your meditation. And it actually some kind of works because you trick your mind in the things that it's already happened. So you start to behave the way that if that already happened and like that, your behavior actually makes it easier to happen. Interesting. You know, well, for instance, you want to stop smoking, just uh, tell yourself, I don't smoke anymore. I don't smoke. I stopped smoking. I don't smoke anymore. And then the next day you probably, you know, you tricked your mind and in future, you know, your brain will be easier to, to uh, not think about cigarettes, you know, because you're convincing your brain that you stop smoking. So <laughs> just as an example. <laughs> so that's number nine, number eight, number nine. Number nine is to find mentors. This is very important because mentor is somebody who already passed the, the way that you want to pass or who is already in the role that you want to achieve or who is a person that you want to become. Basically, a uh, mentor can speed up your process a lot. You don't know where to start learning, how to do it. Your mentor can help you with that because he or she passed that way. And again, uh, choosing your mentors and finding your mentors comes to the hack number one of changing your social circles. You need to find the social circles where you get you will find some mentors. And for me, it was ODS, obviously, when I found uh, a lot of mentors who were helping me, uh, you know, literally writing me the plan of what I need to learn, uh, what is important to learn. And sometimes I would actually use a crowd opinion as a mentor. So I will ask a question uh, to everybody and a lot of people will react. And then I, some people think this way, some people think that way, but there is thing as common, such thing as common sense. So if many people reply you the same thing, you think, hmm, maybe that is valid because everybody's mentioning this, for instance. Mm -hmm. So. Uh, that is important. So you just uh, reached out to people. I think it goes back to the other hack about making a team. So this is how you found team members and this is how you found mentors, right? Yes, it's uh, it's reach out as well, but uh, uh, mentors is a bit different. So team members, you create a team just for a short period, like uh, for some project. But a mentor, you actually, ideally, you find him or her for a longer time, for years, you know? Mm -hmm. So... And for that case, uh, developing relationships is a bit different. So for, for, for making a team, I just try to say, look, I'm working on that project. Uh, I just need your help with this, this, this. Uh, are you interested in joining? And if you're finding a mentor, it's, uh, you know, I cannot just write a stranger like, hey, do you want to be my mentor? <laughs> this is just not- Some people do not, that. It's not how it usually works. So you, you communicate with people, you ask questions, and then you establish those relationships. And when you establish relationships, the person can become your mentor. Mm -hmm. But it usually does not happen at a spot. It usually comes gradually. So mm -hmm. you keep asking people who, who know more. Sometimes I, will, I was asking all the questions just to everyone. And some people will reply me in private about, uh, you know, uh, information. And then uh, people who were replying me often, you know, I started to ask them directly. And... Mm -hmm. uh, one mentor who, who, who's really great, he wrote me directly, like, you can ask me questions about this topic mm -hmm. if you want. That is great, you know, then it's kind of in, inviting you, you know, um, giving you opportunity to, to ask questions and uh, he will advise. Mm -hmm. So you, you need know, to be active, right? So you need to be asking questions. You need, you to, need be... to be active, you need to be visible and, uh, and it's always personal so nobody is going to mentor you if he or she does not like you and if you don't like your mentor it's just not going to work it, it should be also about chemistry like some people with some people you get along well and with some people you don't so those with whom you, you have some chemistry and mutual connection it really helps like because men, having a mentor is like having a friend basically so mm -hmm. uh, there, there has to be some you know similarity in a way okay thanks so yeah the next one is number 10. Uh, 
it took me 30 years to learn, to be honest, you have to learn how to say no. You have to learn how to say no to some people, to the projects you don't want to do. People sometimes bombard you with some offerings like, and at that point, when you're changing career, you have lack of time, you, you have to choose what to say yes to what you say no. Maybe you don't want to be a member of that committee just now because you have other things to do. Uh, because it's very easy to become overwhelmed on maternity leave. So, and uh, they want you to be a committee in crash or in school as well as somewhere else. And some people ask you for other projects and you just have to say no and choose wisely what to focus on and what, what but, but learn to say no um, to people and don't sign up for things uh, that you don't want to do just because you're polite and you don't want to really make a person unhappy. This is not your job to make everybody happy. You have to take care of yourself as well. So say no when you mean no. Do you have uh, some uh, something like maybe a note with no, then, uh, no more than one project at a time or something like this? Like, how do you decide when to say no? Like, let's say something interesting, an interesting opportunity comes up, but you already know that you have some other thing on your plate, right? Yeah, well... This is when yeah, you say no or...? Well, yeah, you, you, you see if you have enough now at the moment, um, but this is interesting, you can say that, okay, let's reach in one month. Currently, I'm busy. Uh, but sometimes things that have come up are not really interesting. So you have to be upfront mm -hmm. about that. Like, no. Or sometimes you started an interviews process. So you got like two, three interviews, but you got some other um, offers to do. And, uh, you know, you had some other offers and some other options. And you see that there is no way to continue, no point to continue this interview process because you actually did not like, you know, the team from the start. Just say no. And some people, they, they just... Uh, continue to the end, uh, but I don't think it's really wise because you're spending your time. Of course, if you have extra time, you can continue all interviews to the end because you're gonna have many rounds. And even if you don't intend to take a job, you can still continue. But if you really like your time and you want to save it, if you after the, the first or two interviews realize that uh, you did not like the team, just say, no, I don't want to continue interview processes. I got other options. So it's fine. So, Hack 11, it's uh, do not be afraid of failures, actually look for them. Uh, a lot of people don't try things because they're afraid to fail. Uh, this is so wrong. I believe that only through failures you actually learn. Uh, the best lessons you get is when you tried something and did not work out. So you, you made some mistakes, you realize those mistakes and that's how you grow. And so if you don't have any failures, you try new things and you don't fail, it means that you don't try hard enough or you're not ambitious enough. You have to be ambitious, get higher goals where you will fail. Uh, and that's because that, that is a growth, you know, growth process. So if you are not failing for a while, maybe the projects that you are doing are just too easy for you and uh, you need to a bit scale up or uh, you know, make more ambitious goals so then you will fail. Uh, because failure brings a lot of uh, lesson and a lot of uh, valuable information and uh, you really can build success on failures. Um, but people are afraid of them. I think it's because for some people it's painful. And I think that uh, maybe it can be a problem with ego. If person is quite, you know, mm, kind of have a big ego and uh, if the person fails he's like oh my god I was wrong here this is so painful I don't feel painful from failures to be honest and I observe kids so for instance when my kid tries something and it doesn't work or it fails he's never disturbed or he's never like oh my god I made a mistake this is not six this is five they, they don't feel pain about that they aha this is five okay so that's how children learn. They don't have that much anger and they don't have pain when they do failures, you know, they fail and they learn. So you have to have this childish attitude a bit in learning and be like a child, forget your anger, focus on learning and appreciate failures. That's how you grow. And I guess failures is so like when you don't pass an interview, when you get rejected, right? that's a failure. Exactly. Some people feel so much pain about that, you know, and it's so, it's a bit funny because it's, that's how you learn. You have to be happy that you have failures. Yeah. 
And so it's so difficult to to be happy about this. So you really need to to convince yourself. But I think one of your other hacks was about that. Like <laughs> <laughs> exactly, focus of attention. I also have children, so I observe them. You know, uh, my child says this is green, and like this is actually blue. First of all, he does not feel any pain that he made a mistake. He says, "Ah, oh, okay, blue." But I don't like to call it blue. Let's call it green. <laughs> so you know. Uh, you, you can learn from children a lot. They actually fail all the time. That's how they learn to walk and so on. And if the child will be afraid of falling, he will never learn running, you know? So you have to have that attitude because that's how you learn. And uh, that's number 11. And the number 12, I think it's the most important. Uh, take care of yourself. You have to have still sleep. You need sport. Uh, if you need some help with your imposter syndrome, ego, whatever, get a psychologist, they're great in that. Uh, do some meditations, take care of yourself. You need to dedicate at least like some time during the day when you take care of yourself. Because if you don't take care of yourself, it's your job. No one else will. So you have to love yourself and to uh, get your husband to make a dinner if you're tired and go to sleep. Uh, ask help of your parents to look after your child and get to sleep if you need it. So I'm talking now about maternity leave. But besides maternity leave, uh, anyway, when you're changing career, you're going to need some help. It's okay to ask for that. And it's okay. It's not selfish anyhow to take care of yourself. Because if you don't take care of yourself, you will burn out. And that's not a good idea. So this is important. Yeah, that, that I'm listening to you and some things uh, they are a bit contradicting each other in my head uh, I'm just uh, I'm curious like um, so let's say uh, so you have two kids right you need to look after them um, so they need a lot of attention then you need to, you have some projects like you're taking uh, part in Kaggle competitions you are writing papers then uh, you also set yourself ambitious goals, right? right? You don't want to, uh, you know, like you, you, you're you looking for failures. So you, you want to set ambitious goals. And then at the same time, you also need to sleep, to meditate, uh, uh, like talk to a, psycho a psychologist, right? Uh, to fight this imposter syndrome. And it's just 24 hours in a day. Like, how do you find time to do all that? Yes, so those are the hacks that I was telling you. So uh, for the kids, I hired a nanny. Okay. Yeah, you need help hiring a nanny. For cleaning, I hired a maid. Yeah, she's coming and cleaning. Fine. When I'm busy, we get Chinese takeaway. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's fine to get Chinese takeaway. My husband helps me in the morning with kids and sometimes in the evening as well. Because, you know, um, but now, you know, during daytime, uh, I can work, but on maternity leave, when I was really with kids, uh, then I was working after his job. So he finishes at 5.30, then he takes the kids, really helps me, and I go to learn. So, and, uh, but it's still important to get that uh, cycling round, like a few days a week and so on. And that's why I was talking to you about uh, that first initial creation. So when you're cycling, you can think through what you're going to code in the evening or what you're going to write. And that helps uh, your time. When you keep, the one important also things is uh, to keep focus. So when you start doing something, whatever is writing, coding, whatever, learning, uh, forget about distractions. That is the hug that I told about Twitter, Facebook, and so on. Shut it off. When you really uh, focus on learning or on your project, you realize that you actually, if you have just four hours a day for concentrated work, so you start like an evening when everybody goes to sleep until midnight. You're going to have a lot of done. Sometimes people with focused work, they can accomplish the same as people during their full-time working day, mm -hmm. to be honest, if you just four hours straight into that. So you need to get into the flow, right? You need to get into the flow, yeah. And uh, it's also practice. I am an artist in a way. So for me, it's easy. So I, when I start painting or something, um, you know, if the plane will fall next to me, I may not notice, to be honest. <laughs> I can be that much into creation. And I can uh, do the same in coding, in writing, in learning. 
Uh, some people cannot do it, but I believe you can practice it like artists do. So mm -hmm. when you're painting, you know, everything disappears. You're just there. It can be hours, you know, suddenly three hours. Wow, I made a painting. Mm -hmm. But yes, I, I had time like from five till midnight. It's about uh, seven hours. And for seven hours, really focused work, especially, um, yes, then you get one hour more for um, cycling, for instance, for the sport and uh, so on, but actually uh, not that much time that you need, especially if during uh, your daytime when I was cooking and taking care of baby and going for a walk, if I think through what I'm going to create, that is enough. And uh, just don't work more hours, but work more and deeper during the hours that you have. Mm -hmm. that, you know, that is the hack that I should have included, actually. <laughs> yeah, maybe for there. your next uh, Twitter thread. <laughs> we have a couple of questions, and I think some of these questions actually overlap with what we wanted to talk about. So one question from Razona, what was the mock interview uh, you mentioned? I think it was Pram, Pramt, or? Yeah, I can mention the resources for yeah, how maybe to prepare an interview. You can just share the links um, after the chat, and we will put them in, uh, in this description. Um, then a question from Alexandra. So what does uh, Tanya think about Kaggle versus Omdena? So do you know what Omdena is? No. Omdena is a platform where it's like, it's like data science for social good. So they have some sort of initiatives. Mm -hmm. And uh, if you don't have any experience, you go there, you have some sort of mentors, and you work for a couple of months, maybe one or two months on a certain project, and you get help, and you, you really work with um, somebody on a specific project. So then this question doesn't, uh, well, since you don't know what it is, I'm wondering if you tried any similar initiatives like, uh, like that one? Well, I tried that internship project, which is actually mm -hmm. was like for social good. It sounds okay. like a bad project, like internship. Uh, so, um, yes, I can say about Kaggle, like... Uh, mm -hmm. Yes, because we plan to, to talk a bit about Kaggle, so maybe let's... Uh, so I can uh, say about Kaggle, yeah, because I cannot compare to that platform, but mm -hmm. uh, I can say about yeah, uh, what is pros and cons for Kaggle, and she can decide for herself. So basically, uh, Kaggle can teach you a couple of things. Kaggle is great for learning machine learning, for practicing machine learning. On small, relatively small, clean, ideal data sets with quite good distribution, actually. So it's like a simplified environment when you already have the data and the task and the metrics are chosen and you just uh, try different machine learning approaches. It can help you great in... Uh, uh, starting off in the machine learning because there are notebooks where you can read code of the others and learn from that as well. So it helps you to learn exploratory data analysis. It helps you to try different machine learning approaches quickly. You can try different state-of-the-art approaches from papers also quickly because some people will publish it in notebooks and some you will adjust and implement. And it helps you also to learn how to, uh, you know, create validation properly because a lot of people in the beginning, they make mistakes in validations and then they fall <laughs> in Kaggle <laughs> uh, on private leaderboard. So, uh, and it is a great community where you can also find your teammates and uh, potentially mentors. What Kaggle does not teach you is all the rest. Basically, Kaggle does not teach you how to um, transform business problem into machine learning problem. It does not teach you how to communicate with different stakeholders, realize their needs, uh, choose metrics that reflect business metrics as well. Uh, how, which data do you need? How much data do you need? Where to find the data, collect the data? Uh, where to label the data? Uh, then that machine learning part you have on Kaggle, but then Kaggle doesn't teach you the rest. Like, how you're going to deploy uh, that model, you know, this make it all reliable, all those CI, CD, DevOps, MLOps, and deployment, and uh, monitoring and maintenance introduction, like your data shifted, what you're going to do, how you're going to monitor it. So all that around, uh, it does not cover. So I'd say that if you take a job uh, of, uh, in reality, of uh, machine learning and deep learning engineer cover, uh, Kaggle covers like around 10, 15% in the middle when you actually just 
play with different models. Mm-hmm. And your internship experience, uh, did it cover anything outside of just modeling? So uh, for the uh, for the pet projects, uh, that's what I think that uh, it's important to have both. For the pet projects, uh, you have a bit wider things, but it depends on the pet projects. Uh, so for instance, do you if you need to collect the data, decide what data do you need, how much data do you need, send them to labeling, that's one thing. If you already have a ready data set, that's a different thing. If uh, an internship project, um, on pet project, you, you usually also don't choose uh, Uh, the topic you're going to work on. But if you need to choose it or uh, you can talk to different stakeholders and realize the business, the business need and propose a project yourself, it's even better. So um, pet projects rarely go to production, to be honest. <laughs> But the difference with pet projects, it covers a bit more things still. And uh, if you have the mentor like on that platform that she, uh, the way, you described it is that there is an opportunity to have a mentor or supervisor, that's great. That's what I had and that's very great boost because he can help you to start and introduce good practices and uh, help you uh, to uh, avoid some mistakes uh, by that, by weekly meetings. So how often you're gonna have them, I don't mm-hmm. know. So this is gonna save you time. So that's why the advice is to do both some pet project Uh, and Kaggle, but the pet project, instead of doing just something similar to Kaggle, it's better to do that end to end. So you find a problem that you want to solve with machine learning, you find a person who can benefit from that, you convince that person, maybe not for money, but you know, anyway, uh, that uh, you will deploy it at this person. And then you find the data, you collect the data, you label it, do that all end to end, you know, when you have zero data and no metrics and no nothing, and up to production when it goes to some website or to the server, or at least pack it in a Docker. So that's gonna be like complete, you know, okay. instead of just But some. I guess it makes sense to start with Kaggle because if you're just, if you're just, if you just became interested in machine learning, you are lost, right? So you know, okay, there is a, this thing called Kaggle, but when uh, you will not be able to convert a business problem into machine learning terms. You will not be able to select a metric because you have no idea about these things. So I guess Kaggle makes sense for a start, Kaggle like you start sense. with Kaggle. Yeah. See, Or... I was changing career after science. So for me, it was quite easy <laughs> to uh-huh, okay. think about business more because it's still, you know, after some career in science and after PhD and stuff, you think that way, you know. But yeah, mm-hmm. maybe Kaggle is better for starting. Okay. And uh, what resources for learning machine learning can you recommend? Like in so, addition yeah. to Kaggle, I, I guess Kaggle is uh, a great, uh, can we call it a resource? But it's definitely a good uh, website to check. It's for. a learning resource, definitely. Yes. Is so there before, else? before going to Kaggle, I recommend uh, actually familiarize yourself with basics. So that uh, I was doing uh, courses on Coursera. I really love them from Stanford. Machine learning and deep learning by Andrew Ng. Uh, those courses are quite famous, and I, I, I really recommend everybody to first uh, uh, grasp that concepts before you go on Kaggle, because it will be easier to learn. Uh, then, because I was changing my programming from MATLAB to Python, I also did a course on Udacity on Python, uh, just to, you know, get a grasp of it. Uh, Do you I, remember the name of the course? I think it was Python for Machine Learning or something like that. Or Python for da- for data science because they were covering things like pandas, NumPy, and all those useful packages. You know, mm-hmm. uh, you will not know all packages in Python. It's impossible, but those that are mostly used. I think uh, uh, one month ago we had a guest on this podcast who also recommended. Uh, I think the same course. Uh, also Just to start. Basically. Yeah. Okay. I can send you links. Yes. Uh, and then we can add the links. To, mm-hmm. uh, Then the next course, uh, so you have machine learning, deep learning, Python. Uh, some people take courses on SQLs. It's important if you want uh, to go uh, in, a, in a position of data analyst or you're going to work a lot with SQL databases. It's uh, straightforward to learn SQL. Uh, and it's also nice to do it systematically. So there is like two weeks course that you can take. Uh, and then important course uh, as well uh, many interviews uh, want you to do some coding exercises on time so 
And if you don't have a computer science degree or you had it quite a lot of time ago, uh, it's nice to check course 6006 from MIT about data structure and algorithms. It actually covers Corman famous book on data structure and algorithms. So those course. And then I started to do some courses for fun, like specialization on self-driving, for instance. But this is not needed if you really you know, uh, don't want it. So we can send, uh, I can send the links to those courses. Mm -hmm. Then, of course, Kaggle, because it helps you to practice. And uh, uh, then there are a few books uh, that can help you uh, to understand, you know, how to make end-to-end -end machine learning pipelines. And uh, you also need to learn system design. So there is a course, Grokin System Design Interviews. It's more for interviews, but it helps you to, to understand in general uh, how to build uh, large scalable systems. Mm -hmm. And there is a new course there about Grokin Machine Learning Design, but to be honest, I didn't like it that much. I think it is quite shallow. It's not really going deep enough, mm -hmm. in my opinion. I guess for this Grokin System Design, this is something you take really towards the end of your... Uh, yeah. uh, like when you already feel comfortable with uh, other things, right? because I yeah, think this is yeah. more like a, a next level, like to level. Yes, I, I level mentioned up. them more or less in chronological order. Yes, yes, I understand. Python, machine learning, deep learning, Kaggle, uh, then that MIT course on data structure mm -hmm. and algorithm system design, machine learning design. And then if you want to learn how to put it in production, you can also, there is a nice course on, uh, you know, you can learn Flask or you can learn uh, fast API, there is course about that, and there is course on JavaScript, and uh, depending on what you want to learn, but that's after you uh, mastered machine learning uh, mm -hmm. just by itself, and mm -hmm. you will you will understand, you know, what, what is the next step. Mm -hmm. We have a question from uh, Aman. Aman, so what level of Python programming uh, one should have before starting with Kaggle? Zero. Zero. <laughs> <laughs> I know, because that's what I was doing. <laughs> it's okay, so, I got Kaggle Masters. <laughs> You'll make it. <laughs> yeah, so basically what you need is... Uh, to start. You just need to start, and that's how you will learn it, yeah. yeah Python is not... Uh, like If you compare it with other languages, like Java or JavaScript or, I don't know, even so R, uh, they're so difficult compared to... This is at least my uh, perception they're more complex than python python is uh, quite uh, simple in a sense that uh, there is not much there in terms of syntax right it's not overloaded with syntax unlike other programming languages yeah i i learned java some time ago so i can mm -hmm. also compare yeah i i did not like java i liked yeah, python very, much. <laughs> most, right? mm. yeah maybe we also have a tip um um and oh, sorry, a question. Um, I think it goes back to when we were talking about uh, uh, having this focus time. Do you have any tips on how to improve your focus? Yes, uh, some people deliberately practice meditation for that. There is a different types of meditations. Some of them like vipassana meditations, meditations when you focus just on breath. Uh, body scan when you focus on your body sensations. There are analytical meditations when you just think about some problem and just focus, uh, focus your attention on that problem. So I think that kind of analytical meditation is very useful for uh, learning how to uh, think without distraction about some technical challenging problems. I had the skill again from school because we used to have school Olympiads on physics and math when you have four hours and very challenging problems. And you sit there like for four hours trying to get that, you know, uh, medal in, in school Olympics. And that really helps you to focus really straight for four hours, you know, on those physics problems. But I still uh, cannot imagine. I have just one kid, uh, but he, uh, he can, I, it's so easy to lose focus when uh, there is a kid. Like something, I, I don't know, like when he starts playing, uh, something is, uh, I don't, it's, he's very loud. And then like, even if I'm in a different room, just hearing that something is going on, like maybe there is a furniture falling or something like this. It's very difficult to stay focused. <laughs> like, I, I don't know how you manage to do that. 
So I don't know. I, I can cut all that. As I told you, I can paint and yeah. don't hear anything. I think, uh, well, maybe I have natural tendency for that, first of all. But I think when you also focus like body scan, so you only focus you know, on your hands, legs, and so on. And if somebody's drowning, something happens outside, you just, uh, that's what you say. You make a mental note. Okay, uh, I notice that sound. And you're coming back to your practice. And then, again, with meditation and learning you to focus, it's not going to happen in a week or two. And don't trust anyone who will tell you it will. But if you do that for a year, you will see the result. So you can train your brain to focus. It just takes time. So it's not easy. It's not like... It's not easy. <laughs> it's yeah. not easy. But it's worth it, I think. Because if you can control your focus, your attention, and your mind, you know, those who control themselves, they control everything. There is a saying that the person who controls himself controls the world. So, and that is a bit true. Okay, so there is no silver bullet. You need to. Uh, it's not just you. You take a pill and everything is great. So you need to work. You need to work. Well, there are some magic pills, but I haven't tried. So. <laughs> okay. Let's not For talk about detention, this. There are some pills. I know in US a lot of students, not a lot, but some students take the before exams or due, uh, when they prepare for exams and during the exams some pills that help them to focus but i don't recommend this way and i never tried but i know that exists yeah so we have, have a question from saurav um so what is uh, your view on astroinformatics and uh, do you do you know anything about this well, I, I was doing uh, just some project in astronomy, so I, uh -huh. I, don't, I don't know much. It was quite a long time ago. Mm -hmm. well, so. But you, you said your uh, you were, your research was, you mostly focused on lasers, right? In your yeah. research, so not uh, astroinformatics. Yeah. yeah, because the question was about if uh, machine learning is gaining momentum in this field. Uh, I, I don't know if you... No. Well, I just know about astronomy because that's what we published a paper in. And in astronomy, it was about, you know, in, in Chile, they, before COVID, in Chile, they planned to open a new telescope, uh, which is like much larger than Hubble and going to collect a lot of data. And the task challenge was to classify uh, signals from different objects, uh, you know, can be stars or it can be some other objects um, uh, that you, you get from the images from that telescope. And yes, indeed, uh, they, they started to look into machine learning approaches to do that. And uh, there are papers about that as well. So, but that's pretty much all that I know. So, and, uh, but I believe that a lot of uh, fields now are trying to apply machine learning uh, in physics as well. Uh, however, how successful it goes is still kind of questioning. Mm -hmm. you know. Okay, so we have two more questions. Um, so for some people, math might be a serious roadblock. I think for you it wasn't, uh, right? Because you had this experience in physics. You also took uh, part in competitions, uh, you said, when you were at school. So you, like for you, I guess math wasn't a problem, right? Well, for me, it's just oh. a school math. Yeah. yeah. So what uh, part of your math background helped you the most uh, for your transition to machine learning? Well, the first year of university in physics. <laughs> Uh, and because matrices right? and so on <laughs> so you know physics use much more complicated mass than machine learning so for me it's like trivial mass compared to what we do in physics you know. mm -hmm. yeah I, I remember like even differential equations for in uh, that we studied on second course they, they were quite difficult and none of this is needed in machine learning Mm, everything is linear like almost yeah maybe <laughs> there are some applications of differential equations i don't know in time series or something but in in general like in industry it's it's, it's quite uncommon to see uh, more advanced math and just uh, i don't know first course of well, you know if, if your industry is aerodynamics Mm -hmm. Okay, yes, that's a different story. <laughs> but if you're Just not in machine it, learning yet, but I think machine learning can benefit from using more sophisticated math as well. It mm -hmm. just did not come there yet. Okay, yeah, because now you, we have deep learning, you just throw more data, more hardware at it, and it just magically works. Nobody knows how and why. But... Well, I, can, <laughs> I can tell you what I was doing in lasers. I would take a system of differential equations, which also has some parameters. So some parameters, the all parameters obviously have some physical meaning, but some of them are not trivial to measure. So what you're going to do, you're going to try to twist those parameters to fit the experiment. So you are doing literally like in machine learning, but you know, 
with this system of differential equations by twisting some parameters, actually. Okay. So we have another question. Um, so for you with this background, so what did you need to focus on? Um, like what you would recommend people uh, with background similar to yours, uh, what to focus on? I guess, so math is not a problem. What math was problem for you? Uh, not really a problem, but I was not uh, programming on Python before, so I tried math, you know, I, I, I was programming on Pascal and Java <laughs> and some other things. And so for me, it was actually learning Python, and uh, then I never had computer science degree, so all those algorithms and data structures I had to learn. That's why I really recommend the MIT course. So, mm -hmm. and I'm still practicing on Bitcode uh, to get a grasp of doing that coding uh, questions well, because uh, if you're in computer science degree, you probably uh, learn a lot of those uh, algorithms and practice them. Most important is practice before. I never had that practice, so it takes me time to get good at that. Mm -hmm. Thanks. So we have a question from Mike. What was the main reason for you for leaving the academy? I had two maternity leaves. So if you are not active for five years in career, you can forget about career anyway. So I decided that I want to keep learning on maternity leave and keep growing and developing myself. And uh, that was convenient way to do it because you could do it from home. You don't need anything. I guess one, in resource, one of the resources that I did not mention, uh, you actually can get some access to free GPUs using credits in uh, Amazon Cloud and Google Cloud uh, that they give occasionally on uh, Kaggle competitions. But also if you uh, register account on Google, you can get 300 uh, free credit for Google Cloud and you can also ask what for GPU and use it. So mm -hmm. I was completely independent. I could do that alone from home and all I needed was a laptop. So two maternity leaves really kind of uh, that was maybe the, the main trigger for that. Now, I guess uh, I have no idea how it happens with lasers, but I guess you need some sort of some special equipment, right? Some some lab to where you do experiments, right? You, you need a lab, and uh, also in nanophotonics, it's usually class ten, so uh, class ten clean room when you actually dress up like the doctors on coronavirus in, mm -hmm. in China, you know. You have mask and you have goggles and you have all this and uh, because they should avoid contamination and uh, on top of that there is a lot of chemistry in uh, making lasers and the pregnant women are not allowed there uh -huh. <laughs> i learned it hard way actually <laughs> when i got a project and oh, i cannot do that i get pregnant mm -hmm. so but yeah <laughs> it's better if there are ladies who watching this Please uh, think about pregnancies, possibilities in future, and choose career, which is okay with that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we should be wrapping up. So maybe you have any last tips before we finish? Uh, so, well, maybe I'll just give some last tips for preparing for interviews and that we did not kind of cover. Maybe people will be interested mm -hmm. about those. Uh, so uh, to prepare for interviews, the best tip I can give is to actually practice it as a mock interview. And the resource that I mentioned is Prump, but the best resource is also uh, your network. So talk to people who are also looking for a job and uh, you kind of interview each other because it's nice to see it from the other side of the table as well. And another, uh, for Russian speaking communities, we can send a link to some Telegram channels and the Telegram channels people also meet to mock uh, interview on system design and on coding and on machine learning design, that type of things. To prepare for interview, you, uh, when you think that you're gonna go for interview soon, it's time to start practicing lead code because uh, they ask a lot of those coding questions from the lead code, but it's hard to uh, solve them on short time if you have not practiced before. It requires practice and lead code probably needs like a couple of months of practice. So it's better start it in advance. Then when you are closer to interview, you can get a course on Grokin system design interview and uh, on machine learning design. Unfortunately on machine learning design, there are no good courses yet. So whatever I've seen was not quite happy with that. So, but something is better than nothing. Plus I had a great experience already at work. So it's, uh, that was easy for me to tackle. And uh, do again mock interviews on that part. 
and uh, uh, refresh your data structures and uh, algorithms as well. So basically, those are the main uh, things, and I can add links um, after that to, to mm -hmm. the resources to prepare for interview. But the most important is to come to the interviews. So if you even uh, don't want to start a job immediately, uh, or you feel you're not ready, uh, you can be always ready to send your CV. It's okay if you're not completely ready before you go to interview, you try and fail. Because before you fail around five, 10 interviews, you probably will not pass them. So it requires also to practice and to gain that skill of understanding what the person wants to hear and what signals you want to show and how you're going to show them. So. And uh, that was also hack number 11, if my notes are correct. Look for failures, right? Yes. So you cannot avoid failures. failures yeah. and, uh, apply to Google tomorrow. It's okay if you fail. You're going to learn something along the way, maybe. <laughs> okay. So last tip is apply to Google. Yeah. Well, not necessarily Google, but Facebook, uh, if, right? if you're applying to big tech big. companies and you fail interviews with them, you actually learn as well. It's a good learning experience. Mm -hmm. Okay. So where can people find you? Well, I have LinkedIn and uh, uh, what else? Twitter? Twitter, Instagram? yeah. Inst well, I'm not Instagram, sorry. <laughs> not <on> Instagram. <laughs> and, and Facebook, but I don't check it. Yeah, mainly uh, my main resource is still LinkedIn and Twitter. Mm -hmm. Starting to, to, to look at Twitter as well. So, okay. And I'll, I'll be um, answering some questions in uh, Data Talk Club next week. Yes. Yes, thanks a lot. And uh, yeah, thanks a lot for sharing your hacks with us, for sharing your experience, your knowledge. I'm sure it will be helpful for many people. And thanks everybody for joining us today and watching uh, our chat today with Tatiana. And I wish everyone a great weekend and see you next week. Thanks.